Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad, all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts. They do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to Think the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. Hi guys, I am Teak. <laughs> I'm Ryan Key. Hey everyone, it's Nick. Nick. Also known as Nick. Nick. Hey everyone, it's Wrecker. <laughs> Rika. Rika. It's, it's, it's not very good. Hey, it's Mike. You know what I like? Is when the Star Wars hose, Star Wars <laughs> the the Star Wars hose just opens up and it's just three thousand gallons a minute because we have not only three new episodes of Star Wars today but also like I feel like a ton of news came out today oh, as yeah. well like they just I'm like you know trickle it like lay it out I didn't hear like some leaky news oh leaky news well and we need to double down on the we need to double down on, on that Mike was referring to a water hose. Right now, I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I was like yeah. "Where do you? Oh, yeah, where are you going with what it? is oh, happening I'm, here on our podcast? It's a family podcast. Mm, I got Ryan, it. Ryan, you have you've you've been a dad for maybe not long enough to eventually forget that like some words have undertones that you completely Copy. forget about. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I'm only ten weeks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're doing great, bud. I've got a lot to learn. You're doing great. Thanks, man. But yeah, there's like I think what's what's rad about it is we yeah we got like a little leaky news about another show that could be coming out. Maybe we'll talk about that oh, after. You text that. Okay. Okay. I okay. did. I did. But then also for fans of uh vintage gaming, oh yeah. They are combine they are combining the original Battlefield uh Battlefront 1 and 2 into a super game uh that's coming re-releasing on Nintendo Switch and uh PlayStation, which is fantastic because those were probably I'm glad it's coming to PlayStation because I don't have a Switch. Well, Xbox right. and PC, I saw. All of it. Oh, it's coming to all of them? Okay. Yeah. I, I followed it from a PlayStation thing. So that's super fun. And um, yeah, I'm like, that's great. I love everything about that. And then uh, we got three new episodes of Star Wars today. That we did. We've got a lot to talk about because... Mm. Jump right in. What a show. What a show. Yeah. We're back into series coverage. And we got, like Mike said, three episodes, the premiere of the Bad Batch season three, the final season. Dudes, I'm getting a Bad Batch tattoo. I'm just so invested in this. But what are you going to get? Oh, the logo. The, the 99 oh, okay. Skull logo, of course. Duh. 
I get that. It's already got my face in the logo. I might as well get it. You know, that's true. <laughs> Adam, the bad, bad. That's right. That's me. So, um, I mean, obviously you guys loved it. We were just like glowing and beams of light were shooting out of us in our text conversation, the, the limited conversation that we had, but we all, we're all equally stoked. I would say, right. Just pooping rainbows over here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Hell of a premiere. Mike, to your point, there's a lot of poop in my life. So it's just, yeah. <laughs> and I get that. I really yeah. do. Absolutely. I work with college uh, kids, so just as much poop. Mm. So almost a feature length story in, mm-hmm. in three episodes, you know, sort of three acts broken into three episodes, mm-hmm. really somber, foreboding kind of tone, you know, got a little adventure mm-hmm. in the second episode, but still it, it maintained that tone and it was, it was super heavy. Nick, what did you think overall? Uh, I'm life is just better when there's new star Wars. That's, it just feels like a piece is missing when there's no new star Wars. So back to being a full whole person right now. Um, I loved it. I mean, I'm just in an like overall marveling at, of this very brooding, dark animated show that we're getting, you know, like, I don't know how the metrics are, who's watching this show, if it's successful or not, but the fact that they're making a very adult friendly, you know, uh, animated series, I hope it's doing well because that to me means that animation could go in any direction as far as star wars goes it's almost like what andor did to live action hopefully these more serious bad batch episodes um that are way more serious i think than any rebels episode or clone wars episode like maybe not serious but darker for sure um hopefully that just means that they're hopefully it's going well and we get more of that style of animation Mm. so i'm pumped Mm -hmm. absolutely mike I I remember thinking, so I have to, I watch them at f- about five in the morning uh, just so that, and I knew this was going to be three episodes. I knew it was about an hour and a half worth of watch time. Uh, so I woke up at uh, about 5.15 in the morning and watched them to avoid spoilers because I knew that it was going to be rampant. But the first episode was a lot slower than I expected because usually there's kind of the the classic, uh, you know, you think about it from the Mandalorian perspective. They're, they've generally been pretty high action. There's something to kind of remind you what's going on. And this episode was, it just put you right back into this Imperial prison on Mount Tantus. And you were like, dang, it's, it is grim. Like Nala say seems like she's literally dying every time she walks in and sees Omega. <laughs> yeah. Um, Crosshair seems like he's just blatantly lost the will to live. Omega is trying so hard to believe that that the rest of the the, the batch is coming. Um, I remember watching it about like it's probably about five forty when it ended, and I was like, I don't know if I feel better about anything right now like this just feels sad um and then we got you know and then it started to pick up and i think it turned into kind of classic uh some classic star wars animation but all in all like if you're a if if you're well first of all if you're uh one of those people on the internet who just likes to ryan you and i obviously a lot of poop in our life um if you're one of those people who likes to go and say like oh yeah disney's gonna retcon the sequels i love this I love this for you. Um, but but most most importantly, I think we're seeing there were some some big reveals we'll talk about, and it's just, you love it because Disney is retconning the sequels. I'm loving it because for all the people that for some reason think that like the true fans want to get rid of the sequels, mm. um, Bad Batch was straight up like, oh no, 
we're actually going to connect this right we're gonna to double down a, on it. What's yeah. a better word than retcon? Like retcon would be changing something that happened already. This is filling in the blanks. Like what's a better term for that? Yeah. Like connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Rise yeah. of Skywalker was just like, here's a bunch of blank space, you know, and like right. this is right. where right. they're now filling in. So, dude, believe it or not, in, in like maybe the course of just one year, that I've lightened up a little bit on engaging with these idiots in, in comments. I'm glad that you've done that for yourself. It's, it's good for the brain. I know and the emotions I've, I've looked at some recently and I've noticed tons of people, like actually the majority now saying the kind of things that I was saying and just getting, you know, I was just getting pummeled before now it, it seems to be swaying. I think like in this past year or two, like kids are just getting a little bit older, they're engaging and they're defending the thing that they love. And it's, it's amazing. It's great to we see. We did it. Our work here is done. This is the yeah, last nice. episode of Thank the Maker. We're done. Finale tonight. Roll the music. <laughs> Speaking of music, Ryan, how about that score? Oh, mm. it. I mean, from so there's a, like there's a, a theme that they wrote for Tantis. Like when they yeah. go, they go back to it every time they go back inside that place, and it is so sick. And I've used this reference a, a billion times, but it's it's like. It's giving Star Wars this like Blade Runner seriousness, mm-hmm. uh, this weight through through the music, and there was not a single moment in all three of these episodes. You either had you either had this somber, gut wrenching themes playing, uh, or you had full blown John Williams esque action, uh, you know, multi layered orchestral horns and and woodwinds and strings just like for, you know, the second episode was pretty heavy on that for the, the um, escape from the vines and, and all that. But um, right. to your point, Nick, I think that this show, I, I, I also don't know what the metrics are, but I want to think they're, they're really good because this is being made with Clone Wars fans in mind grow, grown up, the, the, you know, like Clone Wars debuts in what, 2008 and you're eight years old. Uh-huh. I mean, like you're, you're coming into adulthood and you're watching this now. It's just, you know, it's, it's carrying on that story for, for I think a lot of fans uh, that found Clone Wars to be a huge part of their life because it was a cartoon and they were young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that is part of, of why it, it works. And I, and I, I hope that I'm, I'm right about I think there's something to that. Definitely. Like just think about Ahsoka being popular. That's a Clone Wars like character. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the Ahsoka Clone Wars Rebels fan base is watching all of this, which to me would equal if that is successful. Yeah. And it's going to be, I mean, that's going to help immensely going forward for the, the Filoni feature film, which is, you know, you I keep thinking with all these things like Ahsoka and, and, you know, this, this show being such an essential part of the story. Now we're finding out, um, these these dice rolls that they're taking to double down on these like offshoot shows that are just not. I mean, granted, Palps was in this episode, and we'll get into that. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. holy lord! But was he in it? And and so there's that sort of you know OT nostalgia, but went, that hasn't really been in the Bad Batch until this moment. And yes, this was a huge um, Easter egg for us all. It was a huge you know I don't know if that's the right term, but. Easter basket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like <laughs> such an amazing thing that they did for us to bring Palpatine in. And but my point is that aside from that, they are, they really are doubling down on these stories that are new and uh, characters that are new. And you think like like to your point, Nick, is anyone watching this? But they have to be, or they wouldn't be spending all this money and making them and yeah. scoring them with full eighty piece orchestras, like you heard in the second. <laughs> yeah. That's that shit ain't cheap, yeah. dude. 
I, I I absolutely loved it, man. I, I thought it was so fun, and and I think our our the, our collective theory about no monster of the week, no adventure of the week episode confirmed episode two. It, yes, yeah. that kind of scratched that itch for maybe a younger fan that wants to see. You know, like before we started recording, I mentioned like no, they did because someone was saying how it's not a cart. It's like grown up cartoon. I was like, remember they did put a monster with red eyeballs in uh-huh. to keep it consistent with being animation, and so I, I think they did scratch that itch there. But it proved the point that that adventure was fully tied into the main storyline. And I don't think we're going to step away from it even an inch for their whole season. Right. Yeah. Agreed. The thing that struck me most aside from everything else you guys have been saying and, and how it just jumped right back in and the, you know, the quality bar was high and they went straight up to it right out of the gate. Oh, the animation looked, inc- it's incredible. Oh, incredible. The lighting, yeah. the lighting, yeah. dude. Visually stunning, dude. There was a scene where, um, where Emery was standing in the doorway uh, of Omega's room cell, and it, it just there was a close shot of Omega with her in the back, and the I was the depth. And, I was just yeah. like stunned by the hair, Omega's hair, the lighting on Dude. her hair. It was like sh- it, it blew me away. And I mean, mm-hmm. when who am I? A cartoon hair gets me stoked. Like, yeah. what is going on? Brian <laughs> Key, cartoon hair enthusiast, and dude, like so good, man. The t- talking about like the fidelity of it. The, the textures are just a little bit better, you know, mm-hmm. the lighting's just a little bit leveled up, you know, that digital cinematography that I, I forgot the name of the, like the, the, the digital DP that the, who's a real DP that they used all through Clone Wars. He was talking about lighting a scene. It's just a, another level up. I don't know if it's the same guy, but it's, it's amazing. And like talking about fidelity, dust particles in the air. Did you see that yeah. a couple of oh, times? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. A cartoon, you know, it's mm-hmm. like incredible, but in terms of like, the directorial angle, the cinematography, the composition of the shots, it was so deliberate and, and, and stylized, like so many choices to tell the story with a visual language mm-hmm. that it wasn't just, you know, st- stuff that people were noticing later about the, the, the circular nature of things, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the ticking clock of the, of the blood sample mm. machine. But right. that's, that, that that's starts on my early. list to bring up of how, what an amazing way to move the story so forward. So smart, was. dude. What a choice. And it happens much earlier, actually, just the, the overhead shot of the lab, it's circular. You've got the clock there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the water dripping from the faucet. It comes back every time. And even there's a shot the last time that Nala say, or sorry, um, Emery comes in to get her you hear it drip even though you don't see it. Right. Like it, it is her, it's the metronome of her slow, just repetitive life. Right. Then you've got, once everything kicks into gear, the, the blood sample machine actually rotating with her sample. It's counting down. It's like building suspense with it. Right. And then you've got the counting the days with the ticks on the wall. So they're communicating all of this stuff visually mm-hmm. and they don't have to, yes, you can see, you know, it's sort of exposition, exposition in a way to see the number of days but mm-hmm. it's all so subtle in the way that when her hair changes it's grown out it's just a little ponytail in the back and you just yeah, barely it's catch longer it and yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's so smart you know, let's talk about the hair some more I, yeah, yeah who else who, who else <laughs> had good hair in this one? yeah like dang like let's get this going and also yeah, like how's her coming back <laughs> their their armor like how yeah. the, the you were talking about fidelity like Wrecker and Hunter, like their armor looks so weathered and grungy mm-hmm. and dirty. Like they've literally been just doing missions, looking for Passage information time, to get yep. back to find out. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I'm, I'm at like, I'm ready to start the petition to remaster Star Wars Rebels mm. in this style. Like I'm like, who yeah. do, I, where do I, who do we need to, to sign? I will watch that if you pull that yeah. up. 
Yeah. Well, the detail uh, I noticed too, I thought, and maybe this is not that much different from previous animated stuff. I don't know, but I did notice it. The detail that went into um, the interface, like the UI of the Mm. tablets, uh, all the different things they were swiping and pushing, you know, to get into the doors and to run the tests and to do, it was like, I mean, there's so many little things happening that somebody is, you know, creating and drawing, animating. It's it's crazy. I love it. We've moved upon women's razors. (laughs) (laughs) Bring them back, though. Um, Going back to the lighting thing, one where I noticed the lighting a lot too was the episode two when they're fighting the what appears to be a Sarlacc uh, Dianoga, you know, like Drengear. It was so, yeah, it was so dark in there that the the use of lighting made that saw a lot of parts of that scene look like, uh, like stop motion to me. Like it looked, the lighting Mm -hmm. made it look so real because it was like dark, but the artificial CGI lighting was like really kicking ass of that in that whole scene. There was a shot too where you see a few troopers kind of in the foreground and then I think it's that creature in the background or maybe it's ships landing, but the depth of field is, is such that they're a lot more out of focus than they should be. So it's almost like it makes it look like a miniature, mm-hmm. you know, like it's all digital sure. obviously, but do they make choices like that on purpose to make it evoke the feelings of those old school miniatures and stop motion things and comping shit together like that? You know, I, definitely get Kate Sabaker on the phone. Let's ask this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into stolen plans. There's a bunch because there's three, obviously, and we had some fun cameos and some voices. So let's do it. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all over print button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What have you done with those plans? The Bad Batch season three, three episode debut. Debuted today, February 1st, 2024 on Disney+. Plus. Credits are a little different on this. Some roles have kind of evolved. Developed by Dave Filoni and Jennifer Corbett. That's the first one to hit now. Supervising director on this whole thing, Brad Rao, same as last season. I'll do this episode by episode. 
And I'll start with the Disney Plus description, actually. I feel like this makes more sense. Disney Plus description for Confined, Episode 1. Imprisoned on Tantus, Omega adjusts to a new life. 32-minute runtime. Directed by Saul Ruiz, Star Wars animation veteran. You've seen him a bunch of times. Written by Jennifer Corbett. Story editor, Matt Michnevitz. Same as last season in a lot of cases. Um, starring everyone reprising their roles. D. Bradley Baker. Also as Batcher, the Hound. He was, do- he was doing those sounds, apparently. Of course. Of course. Why not? Did you guys pick up on Batcher right away? Like, that is, it was Batcher? Like- Pretty early. Not, not like <laughs> the first time, but yeah. I thought it was Badger. Oh, for okay. a second, and then I, when I realized that, I was like, "Oh, I'm really stupid." I was I was waiting for the like corniest, like bad betcha. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I was like waiting for her to. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cool thing related to the episode title. If you noticed uh, a line from Omega when uh, Emery when when she comes into the kennels, you know, and is like, "Don't leave. We can we can sort this out." She says, "I was confined on Camino for too long." Mm. And she uses the episode you know, title in that line of dialogue. I thought that was really cool. It truly was a Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You also know that Dee Bradley Baker does the voice of Nubs, right? No, I did not. As Ryan is going through with his child and and enjoying Young Jedi Adventures. uh, We are, we're enjoying it. He, I mean, he just stares at it, but he really stares at it. Like a grape. Uh, But that, yeah, Nubs, Nubs is done by Dee Bradley Baker. So like there truly is no, there's no character that guy cannot voice. It's incredible. That guy's got skills, man. I want to hang out with that guy. All right. Episode two, Paths Unknown, Disney Plus description. Following a lead, Hunter and Wrecker make a startling discovery. 26-minute runtime. This one directed by Nate Villanueva, formerly credi- credited as uh, Nathaniel Villanueva, right? Sounds right. That gets confusing on uh, IMDb. Good luck to you, Nate. Uh, written by Matt Michnevitz, story editor Matt Michnevitz, starring a handful, uh, Liam O'Brien as the Deveronian captain and one of the pikes, or the, the pike that gets brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done lots of Bad Batch voices, also Young Jedi Adventures, Jedi Survivor, lots of animation and video games, Call of Duty, Last of Us. He's got a pretty long IMDb of that kind of stuff. Julian Dennison as Deke and Stack, the kids. This is the kid who played Fire Fist in Deadpool. The little kind of big kid. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. Uh, he's in Godzilla vs. Kong, Hunt for uh, the Wilder People. Angelica Houston as Issa Durand. Dude, I knew it immediately. As soon as she started Same. talking, I was like, what? Right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, let's go. I mean, we're stepping it up, Star Wars. She also, I don't know if we knew this and forgot it, or if you guys remember, also played the Sith Mother in Visions yeah. in um, my favorite episode. Ooh. Screechers Reach. Yep. And Daniel Logan as Mox. Daniel Logan, of course, is young Boba Fett, for anyone who doesn't know. Classic. He's back. He's back. Episode three, Shadows of Tantus. Omega and Crosshair hatch a daring plan. 26-minute runtime, directed by Stuart Lee, another Star Wars animation veteran, written and edited by Matt Mijdovitz there as well. And starring, or featuring, I guess, Ian McDermott as Emperor Palpatine. Welcome back. We love you. This one's funny to me. Ben Diskin. This dude does the voices of two stormtroopers. He also does the voice of AZ, you know, from uh, season one and two. Right. He's done a bunch of voices in Rebels and the Clone Wars. But the funniest and best IMDb credit he has that made me go, what? 
He was one of the kids in the class in Kindergarten Cop. Yes. Oh, that yeah. Boys have. The, who's yeah. your daddy and what does he do? One of those kids. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. David Acord as one of the stormtroopers. He has been in the sound department, sound in, sound designer on a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, Ahsoka, Andor, Book of Boba Fett, and also um, Loki, Fallen Order, Guardians, Licorice Pizza, pretty sick. Yep. Did some Clone Wars stuff. He's been around a lot. And David W. Collins, who's done a ton of Star Wars stuff as well, is also in the sound department. He did another Stormtrooper. The score on this is credited finally to not only Kevin Kiner, but his kids, his adult kids, Sean and Deanna Kiner. Very cool. So all three names. Great to see. I had a thought earlier and I didn't get a chance to say it. So he's doing such an excellent job with John Williams style scoring, Mm -hmm. but he also brings this like Ryan, what you're saying, this like Blade Runner-esque, like synthy, whatever. So, he could encompass both of those things. Do you think John Williams could do the same? Do you think if John Williams needed to like do a synthy Blade Runner thing, he'd be able to do it? I don't. Yeah, I don't think so either, right? <laughs> I, I don't think that he, I don't, I don't think, well, I, of course he could do it. I mean, give the guy an instrument, he's going to play it. Give him an 808. Let's do it. But I don't, I don't think it would have the same authentic, authentic feeling. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it's the right word that's coming from Kiner where... He is not 97 years old or whatever. And he is actually influ- influenced by, you know, the, the the Blade Runner score and those old, like, you know, 80s synth heavy scores, I'm sure. Um, so I, I think, I don't know. He just has more of a, and, and his kids too. I mean, they're, 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 they're hip to what's happening right now in music and, you know, electronic music is everything these days. So yeah, he could do it. I Would it give you that, the, where you go, wow, this feels like, of sick Blade Runner crossover. I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. because John Williams' music, like even when you think about a really stripped down piece in Star Wars, right? Like mm-hmm. the binary sunset, force theme, whatever we're going to call it. Palpatine's theme. It's like that's playing in the film. And if, if you listen to it on a, on a record away from, so you can really pay attention to it, there's still, even when it's down to like the most simple melody, just boom, 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 ba-da-dum, there's so much stuff going on just quietly underneath it. Mm-hmm. Like he's writing... Yeah symphonic classical music, you know? And the trick to this Blade Runner stuff is just that piano going boom, boom, and, and like that, that there's an art to that, to it being so right. simple, but uh, the sound design, you know, the choice, the, the choices he's making for the reverbs he's using and the, and the synthesizers he's using, that that's what makes it sound so cool and unique. And I just, I think John Williams is a timpani and, and flute guy. And yeah, Kiner's got his head around using a Juno and a bunch of guitar pedals, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's crushing though, you know? Like I, I know he's going to wind up doing the Ahsoka movie here. He obviously did the Ahsoka show. It's like, the, I don't know, like there's no one, there's no one better for Star Wars, I think, at this point is Kiner. You know, like he's Agreed. done so much and for him to do John Williams. Close second, Michael, uh, how, how do you say his last name? G- G- Ganakio? How do you, how do you, Gianoki? Oh, he did uh, Andor, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Also excellent. That's the score. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Not Williams esque, though, right? But I think, Nick, your point is, is Kiner's like uh, the scope of his work. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it, a lot it, how long he's been involved with the franchise and how mm-hmm. much music he's made for them. Like, yeah. Like the Gorenson score for The Mandalorian is cr- awesome, but it, that's mm-hmm. it. That, it's, it's that, it's the recorder loop and 
Yeah. He's, yeah. He scores for Christopher Nolan now because he figured out how to play a recorder and made that cool melody that no one <laughs> can unhear, you know? Um, I'm kidding. He obviously is way more talented than that. I'm just saying that Kevin Kiner, he, he's been around for, you know, mm-hmm. so long and, and he's made so much music. I, I do. I think he's, I think there's something to be said for like he's stepping into a role here mm-hmm. um, that belongs to the GOAT right now. And he's also great at writing hooks. Which is tough. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah. That's that's what I'm saying about those simple little melodies. Yeah. Um, especially in that synth wave kind of style of of scoring, it, you have to, it has to be. I mean, I, I recognize that Tantus theme. It didn't come back for a while after you heard it the first time, but it was so noticeable. I was like, oh, this is the song that's going to play when we're here. I recognize it immediately. It wasn't just like ooh, it's dark synths. You yeah. know, I knew it was that theme. Like I, I can't remember who scored Rogue One, which is great. But the theme at the Michael top... Michael Gacchino. Oh, it was him too. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. The theme at the top, it's not... I was going to bring that up to, to because it's challenging, right, on, on our show to speak of things that you have criticism of, right? But I was going to bring that up, that like Rogue One would be something that tried to sort of do Star Wars as a score. And mm-hmm. I... I, I, and you, but you know, to be, to be fair, you have no idea how much of that was the, why it didn't necessarily land for, I don't think, I think we've talked about how it didn't land as well as some other music yeah. has. And some of his other music has landed and been amazing. So it's like, you, you have no idea how much of that's the composer and how much of that is the director and the, and, and the producer and Disney and everyone going, we only want this one stem, this one string part playing. Once right. you hand over the music, it's you're that's it. You don't get to say, no, I want the whole piece in the movie. Mm. Uh, the, the correction is Nicholas Bertel did Andor. Oh yeah. That's Michael, what I was That's right. Yeah. 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 Michael did Rogue One and I believe he did Solo. We got to look this up before we say this, right? Also not uh, a great theme. Mm. It's, it's good, mm-hmm. but it's not, I mean, well, John Williams did the solo theme really. And then someone else scored the rest. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. But well, but he also did the the battlefront stuff, which they can't is, all be hits, Adam. We all, we all have that well. we, oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, everybody's got deep yeah. cuts. Interesting. All right. The future of Star Wars music is bright. That's the point of this conversation. There's a lot of talent. Yeah, it's all great, and it's kinder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last thing about the scores: put my boy Alan Silvestri on something. Get him off the Avengers stuff. Get him off the Marvel stuff. Give him something. He wrote mm-hmm. "Damn Back to the Future." Come on, like yeah. the dude bangs. He's a really talented composer, bro. Yeah. And the Avengers score is like the, the Avengers fanfare, the theme, like dude, it's pretty it, good. It rips. I mean, that's no. an understatement of the day. He, the talented composer. The guy's a yeah. legend. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, I mean, yeah, he rips. All right, let's get into a discussion. We got a bunch of stuff and we are already at a half hour. So very, very fast overview. We're not going to do like we've done in the past. We're going to keep this more like a Soka. We're just going to kind of discuss things, but quick episode overview. Episode one was pretty much, Omega and Crosshair imprisoned, living in Mount Tantus. Omega working with Nala Se and the clone, uh, her clone sister, um, Emery, uh, Dr. Emery Carr, right? Working on this, this cloning project, we now know. Episode two, Hunter and Wrecker doing jobs, searching for Omega, getting out of a bucket of syrup. Episode three. Ain't no way! <laughs> no, no one knows that reference but us. No one. It's a great reference. <laughs> uh, Episode three, Palpatine visits Mount Tantus, Omega and Crosshair escape. Those are the important parts. Yep. So let's talk about the time jump because this oh, was episode, one. Okay. Episode, the only thing that are important is Omega and Crosshair escape. Nothing about the blood. I get that. Well, we'll talk about that. We're going to get into that. Yeah. But that's, all right. All right. All right. Yeah. The time jump. This is 
on a couple of bingo cards, and it's worth talking about because we need to establish where we are. So, Mike, you said before, Hunter and Wrecker's armor is beat as hell. Yep. Omega's got longer hair. She's got a little ponytail. Omega, you see, talking about passage of time, how, do they, how they display this, you see, you know, Omega first seeing crosshair in the hallway. She looks surprised, like, oh, there he is. Oh, my God, it's crosshair. Time goes by a little bit. She doesn't even look up at, at him anymore. It's obvious a bunch of time has passed. We also see the hatch marks or the tally marks in her cell that she's counting with. Mm-hmm. The first time we see that, 31 rotations were something, 31 days, right? Next time we see it, after the ponytail and everything, 150. You counted. So that's five months. The last time we see it, 164. So two weeks later, 165 days, five and a half months. Okay. 164 days, sorry. Bingo. Somebody mentioned maybe Medi Gunner, maybe Physics Buddy Joe in the patron chat. You could safely assume we were probably in 17 BBY maybe by now. Not that it matters that much, but, you know, if we're trying to figure out where we are, we can say for sure five and a half months passed from last season. So, all right, let's talk about the big stuff that really matters. Project Necromancer. Second mention of this ever. Commandos everywhere. Highest level of security. This is what's going on in in Mount Tantus. Hemlock refers to it as Project Necromancer when Palpatine shows up. We first heard these words in Mando Season 3. Chapter 23, the second to last episode. And it is ultimately about the Empire testing subjects' blood to find and reproduce a genetic M count. I think we all know what M count is, mm. class. Metachlorians. <laughs> How are we getting into that now? I'll say a few things and then look, let's discuss. They specify that the, the specimens are not clone troopers. Palpatine uh, is actually, Hemlock takes Palpatine to see some you know, like vertical um, tanks. It's Snoke. Snoke's in there. Something like that is happening, we're we're assuming. Uh, Palpatine says, this is from the trailer, there is nothing of greater importance to to secure the future of this empire. Whatever is needed to accomplish this goal, you will have it. And then later as he's leaving, it is imperative that this facility remain hidden and secure. There are many, even within our own ranks, who would consider much of your work an abomination. Sounds familiar. You know... I thought of something when he talked about uh, Tantus remaining hidden. And I, I, someone in, in chat that's smarter than me or has a better memory than me could correct me if I'm wrong. But I wanted to bring up also a shout out to Timothy Zahn and just how pumped he must be that this huge yeah. part of his original entry into Star Wars storytelling is being used as such a centerpiece for uh, this massive puzzle piece that we're now mm-hmm. learning and, and filling in the blanks with. Um, but right. I'm almost positive they had a cloaking, some sort of cloaking device in Heir to the Empire in that, in that trilogy of books that kept the mountain hidden from everyone. Mm, nice. I, obviously, they're not using that here, but I, it made me think of it when he... Like that, maybe that was another little kind of just fun nod to mm-hmm. the, the origins of Mount Tantus and what it was because he said it has, you have to keep this place hidden. Wakanda style. And I'm pretty sure, yes, it was very similar to that idea. I, I think that was in the book, if I remember right. So... As far as I'm concerned, and I assume we're on the same page, this is as much confirmation as we need that what we suspected previously, that Project Necromancer is fully Palpatine's plan to clone himself, still going on 30 years later in The Mandalorian. This, is all, this all leads to the sequels. Like, it's all but confirmed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Until they say, yes, this is exactly it. I mean, this is it. Yeah. Good job, Disney. <laughs> Disney did a good job. <laughs> Here goes my social media. <laughs> I've got questions about the M count. 
should we should we talk about that in the context of the question about omega or yeah yeah i think so because what i it, that it like replicating a, a genetic m count right that's what she says well here, you want the quote let's do this yeah the empire seeks the reproduction of a genetic m count but the experiments on specimens have yet to yield the desired results mm -hmm. and then later she says to hemlock the emperor should be pleased that we accomplished a successful transfer so you're seeing the blood dripping into the, the, the samples from the others. And Hemlock says, not when the M count is highly degraded. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, what does she say back? Uh, the, so the question is, does that mean any old Joe off the street might have the, the blood they're looking for? Or are these suspected force-sensitive people that they're doing these tests on? That, that's the question, right? Right. Because a genetic M count, like, I don't know. Does that mean they already have it and they ha have to be able to, you know, it's like, think like blood types. Like if you're, you know, O positive, mm -hmm. you can only accept whatever, you know, I don't know the science behind that off the top of my head, but you can't just take anyone's blood for a blood transf transfusion. Mm -hmm. So can anyone's midichlorians just mix, you know? And it's like, or, or is it that? Is it just, they're literally just testing on poor, unfortunate souls until the blood drips in there and goes, ding, ding. We've got a receptor, you know? It's it seems like they're only testing on clones too, right? As far as we know. On screen, they are clones, but then they specifically say that they're not clones. Well, or did they say they're not clone troopers? Oh, okay. Right? So yeah. they, if Nalase is there, they could be growing, they could be, they could be growing clones from the original source code, DNA source code, uh, you know, from Django's code to Makes like sense. just grow new clones and try, try, uh -huh. you know, if we remember too that they the bad batch themselves omega says i saw all of you when you were born right they knew they were testing uh for genetic mutations right that's all the all the bad batch having mutation they're undesirable mutations mm -hmm. or they're specified mutations right that's what their powers are they knew that omega was special in the regard that we all thought that maybe she was like the super juice of them all that she had you know because if you're all the way back in the season one like crosshair is like you're a really good shot she's like i don't know i just felt it right mm -hmm. we said on this podcast that she might be force sensitive right and to have omega that her mutation could have been that she's force sensitive or at least force acceptance it has to that's be what that's what palpatine has been waiting for is that mutation that they can i'm assuming a mutation that can basically then take Omega's Omega sample and now create bodies just mm -hmm. like we've seen in Snoke in the tubes that mm. dude, you could have clones of Palpatine so that he can essentially live forever. Right. Um, so that's, that's what I took from this whole thing is that's, you know what I just, dude, my brain is melting right now because we, we talk about how, uh, how much of star Wars, is taken from Frank Herbert and Dune. Sure. And now, you know, I didn't know about it. But the, the, um, why can't I say his name now? Guy who wrote Foundation. Oh, Asimov. Oh, number. Yep. Asimov, that, yes. Like, I, until I started watching Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> John Grissom. Aldous Huxley. Um, I, I didn't know, I, I wasn't hip to that until I started watching the show and obviously did some research and found out that. Uh, Okay, well, if Star Wars is is you know taking a lot of themes from Dune, well, Dune is completely taking all of its themes from from Foundation. 
this is wild. And I wonder how much thought went into this based on those novels, because the whole entire through line of that story is that the, the, the empire they call the emperor is just empire. That's what you call him in the story. Oh. You address him as empire and it's, there's a dusk, dawn and um, day and day. <laughs> Day is the ruling empire, and the other two are being are, are young and learning and then on their way out, but they're always being grown, and there's always backups in the tubes. So oh, if one of them dies, they're uploading their consciousness and memories, neural link style, and they can wake up and pick up where the last one left off right away. Over time in the story, they genetically mutate and it starts getting weird. So I'm like, that, that concept of cloning like keep multiple bodies in multiple tanks for Pal. Like once he discovers the the one clone that has the mutation he's looking for. He can just print, you know, make pints of that shit and just, just make body after body. Let the bodies hit the floor. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, the question of is it just accepting the blood or does the blood itself have to? Is it sort of like a, you know, a human blood transfusion in that if Omega is force sensitive, which I, I don't care how on the nose it is, I want it to be so. I want it to be true. Yeah, I same. want a moment at the end of this show where she reaches out and stops something from falling on the guys or something happens where it's just like all your hair stands up because she uses the force, right? I want that. It might not happen, but I want it. But either way, is it a blood transfusion or is it like just the blood of one of the clones has to be able to hold on to Palpatine's blood? It's, and I'll shut up. I'll shut up. The last thing we was going to say is, are we agreeing that the blood dripping into the vials is like Palpatine's blood? I think so. That's right. where I'm going. Safe yeah. to assume. I'm confident. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I, I, from what I could tell without like think like really filling in any blanks here, I think that's Palpatine's blood dropping into other hosts blood or other people's and clone blood, whatever. And they were saying at one point earlier in an earlier episode, some of the midichlorians didn't degrade. So that was like a plus for, uh, I think Emery said that, and Hemlock was like, not if it degrades, it's not a plus. But they got right. one finally where it didn't degrade as much. Mm -hmm. And I think what is happening is Palpatine's blood dropped into Omega's and it didn't degrade. Yeah, right. So that's, that's what I'm getting. Right. So isn't, isn't, doesn't this also go into first season of Mandalorian? The reason that they needed, they know that Grogu is in has the force yes they know that he's right and so you've got the fact that they're withdrawing blood from grogu and using him for whatever they use m count too in, in mandalorian i think we right. definitely heard that there right. it's kind of right. cool that you almost know that i don't want to say happy ending but but you kind of know that they, they because we already know how this ends that they don't get Omega. This doesn't work because it still takes another 30 years for him to create a successful, somewhat successful clone of himself. And even that clone is not fully functioning at that point, you know? So it's like, whatever happens here, it's not, it's not Omega. They don't, they don't, right now it's like, yes, that's the one. That vial is the one. We need her because it, that's going to work and create a perfect full-bodied full force-sensitive clone. Um, but we know that they don't get her because it doesn't, yeah. there's not a cloned Palpatine. What if Omega, last episode, Plan 99, mm. Omega, just mm. brutal. Yeah. Dude, I... That's why I said I'm not going to say happy ending because that is not going to happen. We're not going to get that. My hope is that Omega survives. Even if everyone else dies, Omega survives and we get mm -hmm. a straight up Omega series. Yeah. Oh my. Maybe it's years down the road. He's just trying to get in that writer's room, Mike. You know this. Yeah. Yeah. I know I do. <laughs> You're doing great, Adam. So to simplify, two possibilities. One, she has a high midichlorian count. 
which we're all hoping for, or two, she's just a good host for Palpatine, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just going to work out. And it has something to do with her being an unaltered clone. And because of that, you know, she's a better host. But if she, if, if this is true and her being an unaltered clone of Django, strong DNA, whatever, because he was like the perfect soldier, right? That they picked. Right. What does that mean for Boba Fett? What does that mean for this whole idea of force sensitivity? Does this just lend support and credence to our idea that high metachlorian counts are more common in Star Wars and that many highly skilled people in Star Wars, including Han Solo and, you know, and any great pilot or warrior or anything has a higher metachlorian count, metachlorian count and has force sensitivity, whether or not they, they train and hone it like the Jedi or Sith do. I think there that is in there, no matter what. That concept is very alive and well. Mm-hmm. But I do want to go back to something Mike said that I thought was really, really cool. And, and I think interesting to think about and, and, and likely. I hadn't thought about the idea. Well, first of all, Adam, I missed in the show because I only got to watch it once that it, they weren't clone troopers as if that was said out loud. Mm-hmm. But, but I certainly didn't think about what Mike just brought up, um, that... He is, and I and I just I like this theory, Mike, that you brought up. He's he's trying to, he's just making clones. They're not soldiers. He's just making clones from that source code DNA to get one to mutate and be force sensitive. Yeah, I, I think right. I think that's what's going on. I think the force sensitive is important for the sort of um, the blending of of these of the blood. You know, we're doing witchcraft right. on Think the Maker, a, a witch, a Wiccan podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. The mingling of the bloods, but a cauldron. But I, 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 I like I like the idea that he that's what they're looking for, which is could not be the thing. But I, how cool is that to tie into this show and what the core of this show is? Like you said, Mike, these the clones them Clone Force ninety nine themselves are mutated clones, and um, I think it really sticks to like the themes of of the show in that they're looking to re, to recreate that like. Because each one of them has a different mutation. So, like, right. how do how many of these do we have to make before we get one that's just born with it? Right, and Omega, right. I want to believe, was already they already have one. She was yeah. Born like, with does it. does Hunter really have great hearing and super eyesight, or does he just have some force sensitivity and that's how he perceives it? Mm-hmm. You know, it could be. I mean, it's like, and then the question is going into. What do they do with that to transfer it? And could you and could you put that into a another human or something like there's something about hemlock that deeply unsettles me. There the dude is on a Speaking mission. Of great hair. Oh yeah. I mean he, he do, I mean the guy the guy like He's got that way, Brad the, Pitt Fury hair going. It's really right, strong. Right. But the way that he talks Oh, whispers the entire time. Right. And there's something about him that like the dude kind of looks like Snoke under all that that like mm. i don't know man like there's something like about that. like he's gonna do he's gonna do something crazy and like inject mm-hmm. himself is he going and, like, full doc see- ock or uh yeah, yeah you know the dude in um i like that iron man yeah right yeah uh extremists yeah start of a cool moment that i'm remembering as uh palpatine is leaving and hemlock says if i'm made the director of um the the science corps whatever they're the right. imperial science division whatever remember when krennic comes into vader and is like so I can I, I can be the lead. It's you mine. You speak to him for me. So, yeah. And he just chokes him nearly to death and is like, you don't talk to me that way. Palpatine turns around and goes, just be patient and gets on the yeah. ship. You know, yeah. he's like, he's so calculated. He's already got a plan for everything. Who, like, who's, 
in that role now? Is that, are we assuming that's Tarkin or are we assuming, you know what I mean? Like, is, is that, I don't know. I, who, who is in that role now? I think Tarkin is in more of a military role. I think so too. I was, but it just, it was, I'm with you on that, Ryan, because like, it was interesting that he asked for such a specific position. Mm -hmm. It wasn't and like, it like, didn't make Palpatine mad that he right. was like it, being over ambitious or, you know, not being offered the job. He was just right. like, don't just be patient. I have a, I have a plan, you know, it's just shows right. you how the difference in, in Palpatine and Anakin, like Anakin's fly by the seat of his pants, no plan. Just yeah choke everyone out and Anakin's burn like, it I'm down. In. Try spinning. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Yo, what was the name of the the one named character in the Mando episode with the Shadow Council? Your Thrawns? Uh Pal um Pelion? Yeah. There's Pelion, there's Hux. Yeah, what's Pelion's title? Uh like is there another character out there that we know that could have this role that he's looking for? Or it's not like you know, that's not Galen or so. He's like an engineer. Maybe. What if it winds up being Gideon and we get Gideon in Bad Batch? Yeah. yeah. It's on my yeah. bingo card. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, one thing too, Mike, you were just saying like that uh, Hemlock kind of, you know, going down the road of like, what if he's Snoke? Someone somewhere on the internet was brought up the fact that Snoke was like larger than humans, you know, like he was mm -hmm. like eight feet right. tall or something. Right. Um, and that, someone brought up the fact that like maybe there's some Nalise, there's some Kaminoan something oh. in there. So he's, he's a clone. He's yeah. a clone, yeah. right? Yeah. Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> Here we go. I, I totally forgot about this. I put it in the notes and I, I skipped over it until you said bigger. What is, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? The Hemlock says, uh, sorry, people who are watching. I like this idea. I like, I like where this is going. Uh, the other, um, Claire in the, uh, in the YouTube chat also said is Hemlock's hand, a glove or a prosthetic. Yeah. Which they're, they're focusing on that a lot, man. Like he's got either, he already injected himself or he's been work. He's been working on himself or something like, or there's some story there. And then that yeah. goes back to the idea of like in the tanks, you know, that they have all the Jedi remains like they are up to some wicked dude. Check off. Yeah. The dude's got a glove on his hand for a reason. 100%. Hemlock says to Palpatine, the exotic matter facilities have expanded, providing alteration and testing of much larger assets. Mm -hmm. I had this down as a Zillow beast reference. Maybe Mike giving you a point. That's sure. a stretch, but perfectly reasonable, but larger assets. Snoke is actually a specific species that's mentioned somewhere. I forgot what it is. So like okay. we've had thoughts about it, but I, I think that's all squashed. Cause I think he, I'm almost positive. He's like a specific race okay. species and they're much larger. Is that a Snoke reference? Could be. I think they're going to have a hard time with this one. I'm just going to say like, I, I hope that they land the plane, but this, the Snoke thing is I think going to be, uh, because everything right now with, you know, I was the point that Mike made that I just brought up that, really makes sense in my brain. Like it's clean. They're, they're growing clones and they're trying to find the right one. How to, where, where does that fit in? And again, I hope, I hope they land the plane. Well, but I, I think he was just the big bad in the movie and now they got to, now they got to figure out, okay, well, why does he look different than all the rest of the clones? And how did, how did Palpatine get cloned into that body? Yeah. You know, Mike, you finding something? According to Wikipedia, Snoke uh, is a force-sensitive humanoid genetic strand cast strand male. cast. I know that much. There we mm. go. There we go, Nick. Mm. But I think, you know, the, the, the thing that we can always remember, too, in Rise of Skywalker, and especially in the way that Palpatine says it, you know, that I created Snoke, right? Like, mm. we already know 
where Snoke came from, he was created in that mm -hmm. sense of it. And we saw the many copies of him on Exegol. So what we need to figure, what I'm sure that they're explaining to is that they're, they're we're, we're, all the pieces are being put in place of exactly how they're planning on transferring the cognitive abilities, whatever it is, to reanimate a body or transfer something from a body to be like, was that, was Snoke part of Palpatine's consciousness? Like all of these things that we're asking about of how Palpatine was A, able to stay alive. We know this giant machine that's keeping him alive, which like something much larger could also be this machine that's keeping Palpatine alive. Um, that's the, the final order, right? They were referring to those vines when that conversation was happening. Which yeah. could make sense. I, I, I think, you know, so because Palpatine was like, don't worry about that in reference to the, the other facility. He was like, that's not, that's not what's important. Right, you know? right. Sure. <clears throat> but uh, that, I don't know, man, the, the tank or the cylinder or whatever that opened and, you know, cast that light out on Palpatine, we didn't see inside of it. It was pretty big, if I remember right. It's a pretty big container. Yeah. Speaking of that, dude, that scene, the lighting in that scene with the red, like, oh, mortis yeah. style shit on the floor and, and the light, light, the light yeah, under yeah. his hood. And oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Yo, on that, on the tentacles and the stuff out, out in the forest or whatever, did anyone else mm -hmm. come to the conclusion at the end that those were all, all those tentacles were just stretched out from that one main creature and that they weren't separate things aside from the little bug things? I think so. Yeah, yeah probably. Well, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but like that, um, there's a couple of things. Some people are saying like one of the, one of the TKs was 343, um, which some people are referring to this kind of like, uh, organism that can break off and turn into little things is, uh, I don't know if you, you guys played Halo, but there was oh, a, yeah. a whole, whole scene, but they were called, it was called the flood. And it was basically this like zombie ish kind of style that master chief has to go blast through. It's actually quite terrifying. Um, but one of the, you know, the studio was studio 343 that Bungie ended up, um, turning into, I think that was their partnership. Oh, interesting. So that was, that might've been a little throw to the, the halo guys. And I don't know if, cause there were some writers are involved. Maybe nerds are going to um, nerd dude. I mean, that's for just, sure. It's the best. 343 is just a particular, it's, it's, yeah, I it's, love it. it's odd. Right. But I hope it's that, but the, but from the high Republic, uh, there is, an, that's where uh, my brain went. The Drengear. Uh, same Nick. I'm, yeah, the Drengear. So the Drengear is this, uh, like they uh, they they go on to uh, they find this old space station, uh, and the book kind of reads like a, a horror movie. It's actually super cool, uh, and they find that there's like these plants everywhere, and then they come to find that the plant is actually one giant organism that's basically this like kind of force eating uh, entity that can replicate very quickly, and they have mouths, and they kind of can turned into a giant thing uh but they're plant-based they're they're organic uh and that was the first thing that i thought of they they had names i can't remember the exact name that they called it of uh, uh vines whatever the vines or the they had they had a name for it but i don't know if that's just what the clones called it because it seemed to make sense mm. that would have been pretty sweet that's a high I, that's a, a high republic thing that i thought was pretty rad it made it sound like they that was made like a man made by the empire though so I think it got squashed right sure. away. When the little, the little like three leg, the little creepy ones yeah. that jump like yeah. jumped at look and look like a face eater from aliens. Yep. Or yeah. face hugger. They had the right. little like circular, you know, dune worm sarlacc mouth mm. in the middle of them. Right. So they were like baby versions of this giant. So maybe there is more than one of them, Adam, to your point. But 
Sure. Uh, because those, I think those were little tiny versions of the giant one. If you remember it, right, it, right. it had a mouth when it jumped at them. Yeah. Nice. And they were talking about like how long it would take the vines to reach certain locations and stuff. Um, I thought of it, this is where my brain went towards is like some kind of like um, defense. If the empire made it right. Mm. Is that right? That it's some sort of like right. keep people out I, I, kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, or it's just out there in the woods and they're like, oops, I hope it doesn't get any closer to the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a couple things to talk about before we get into bingo card results. The, the mystery trooper, Clone X, the assassin trooper, right. did a little bit more homework. We've seen this face before. It was, remember in season two, yeah. the, the one that had the exchange with Rex, he said, you're fighting right. the wrong battle, you're mm-hmm. limited. And Rex says, so what does that make you? And he says, a believer. And then he bites the suicide pill. Yeah. Same helmet. He's just, he's guarding the, the cells. So sure. that, that's a class of assassins, like special, mm-hmm. super dedicated. I don't know who knows what. But yeah, not as mysterious as we thought. We just, we had forgotten. So far. Crosshair. Let's talk about this. Um, this is just like some character interpretation stuff. Crosshair says he deserves to be there in prison. when he's talking to Omega. In terms of, like, his path, obviously, like, he escaped with Omega, and we're going to see what happens in the coming weeks. Does he feel like he's, like, he deserves to be there in prison because of what he did to his brothers or for failing as a soldier and betraying the Empire? You remember early in the show when we were like, oh, it's going to be that kind of party when he just lifted his rifle up and murder, death, killed someone, like, point blank? (laughs) Yeah, right. I think right. that's why he thinks he should be in prison because he did a lot of stuff like that. I hope so. I, I, think, I think it's maybe a bit of that. He feels like he's betrayed the Bad Batch, betrayed the Empire, betrayed the fact that, you know, he watched, he, he basically allowed for his brothers and the clones, not just the Clone Force 99, but the clones as a, as a concept, as a class of soldier, as living, breathing people. Um, for him to let the empire come in. And he also is like fully aware that he let them walk right in. Right. And for him to sit in their prison and go, I asked for this because I didn't fight them. Yeah. And just kind of have that, like that dwell that, you know, and then he knows he's being used for whatever he's going to be used for, uh, which, you know, I think, I, and I think in regards to the, his hand tremor, which is quite bad if you're say a marksman, um, I think that's the first sign of the early aging, which mm. did we, did we officially, have we, have we fleshed that out that clone, that the clones, that clone force 99 has mutations? Yes. But are they still subject to, um, some of that degradation over time? Like the, the faster aging. I, I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. That that's the beginning of the beginning of them coming down. Um, 44 my hands are shaky it's rapid <laughs> aging and it's part of it <laughs> yeah he he wasn't shaking when he went through and just like housed that entire group of there was like this one scene where he just like straight up like strangles and just flips one of the clone commandos and i yeah i just wanted him to look over and be like commando my ass <laughs> right so many commandos by the way it was so sick yeah great yeah. best use i i think that they that they could have given to them you know it's like you can see bringing it back like, oh, here's, here's a fun fan service poll. But no, like Omega's like, why are there so many troopers? Oh, there's a special guest. Of course, it's going to be all those badass dudes. Mm-hmm. And the Royal Guard, 
the Imperial Royal Guard yes. being the exact OT yes. Imperial Royal and, Guard. And being not like the first thing you see when the when the walkway comes down, when the ship opens, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. Uh, In that moment, I actually thought that that's when I texted you guys. I'm I'm smiling like a little kid or whatever I said. <laughs> like it was just this is too good. I actually thought we were gonna get Vader in that moment too. Like I thought we were gonna get Palpatine and Vader kind of coming down with Vader being like the you know the 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 extra enforcer that everyone was like you know. But I'm glad they didn't because I think I I truly do think Vader's coming. But uh, just just seeing those, I don't think he would tell Vader. No, I agree. I agree because I, I and yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the point. An interesting part of it that we can just briefly talk about because we got to skip over it. But like the rule of two. Mm-hmm doesn't say it can't be two of the same person. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean that. Like if, right? Yeah. So if, if Palpatine's like, there will always be two Palpatines at some point, and I remove the idea that all of my apprentices, for the most part, have kind of failed, I mm-hmm. know for sure I can count on myself. Well, I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Let's talk about bingo card results. Oh, boy. So... For anyone who listened last week, you know what we're talking about. Anyone who didn't, we made bingo cards with our predictions. You know, some predictions, some just hopes, I would say. At the time of this recording, am I still in the lead uh, of the poll? Oh, we yeah, we polled. Let's look at that. On Instagram, we, we posted the cards, and we asked everyone to vote on who they thought would be most likely to win. And the results are with ni- only 19 responses. Thanks a lot, Internet. 37% voting for Ryan's card. That's the winner. Uh, Mike's second with 32. I'm oh, so last. third with 26. And Nick is dead last with 5%. You'll see. The thing You'll is, see. I'm, I'm going to win this poll. So give me that because when we do shit like this, I literally never win. You always lose. <laughs> I always lose. So Loser. If, if I could just win the poll, I, you know, I'll take yeah, you, it. You won that poll. Yeah. I'll take it. All right. So let's talk about what hits we did have. I think the Zillowies thing is a stretch. I think it's possible now that that was mentioned, you know, the larger facilities or whatever. What's on your card? It says reference or mention? Mention on mics. So, okay. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, it needs to say Zillowies. I'm all for giving it because, you know, maybe there's something on the fence for me down the road and I want you guys to be like, oh, okay, sure. But (laughs) I feel like the word mention is like... Yeah, to mention. Yeah. I say it. Let's give it some time, and if we want to be generous at the end, we we can do that. Yeah. Time jump, Nick. You and Mike both had that on there, and it's just time jump, plain and simple. I had time jump finale at the mm-hmm. or at, at the ending. Okay. Uh, so points mm-hmm. for you two mm-hmm. for the time jump for sure. Okay. Wasn't expecting it in like the first episode. That was weird. No. Damn. Also, we have a lot of unless they go back <laughs> into the cell. There are a lot of absolutely nots on these, you know, talking about Mandalorians helping the escape, uh, di- different ways to escape in different, you know, scenarios that are just will not come to fruition because they've already escaped. First episode, third episode. Um, do we have any other hits for us? See, I didn't get one hit. I mean, we're already off to the beginning of me winning the poll, losing the, you know, <laughs> winning the battle, losing the war. Yeah. <laughs> I like somebody that. actually um, put together some numbers in the patron chat. Uh, Graw Rock B says, as it stands, Adam got zero, Mike got zero, but disagree, you got one. 
Nick got one. So Mike and Nick each got one. Ryan technically may have gotten negative two. <laughs> Mandalorian's assisting in the prison break and Palpatine on the destroyer, but there's still time for Palpatine to be on the destroyer. Sick. Patreon gets one. The patrons had their own card. Gonky, the hero, is what the, the square says. Wow. Good call. I like it. I like it. Gonky was crucial in episode two. I'm with it. Adam and I deliberated on Omega's true identity. That was something that we deliberated. Yes. And I and I was saying that I thought Omega being Force-sensitive is her true identity. Yeah, so Patreon, Patreon, they had, quote, Omega's true identity revealed as one of their predictions. But then we, him and I had kind of talked like, is it that Omega is, is it like that she has some kind of lineage that her original DNA sample was not just Django Fett, it was actually someone else, you know, like, like what, what does that mean? Or does, you know, does she also have a secret that's beyond just watching the Bad Batch be born, right? So like, I think that's what you were kind of in, in the camp of and me being like the purpose of Omega is that she's force sensitive. That's that's the reveal, right? So, I mean, the patrons can fight amongst themselves, lobby for themselves. So, well, I I went I went and asked them. I asked them to deliberate and, and get down to what their actual intent was originally. And physics buddy Joe went back and found the original conversation. And it turns out they were looking for more of like a who is it, who is she kind of reveal than a what is her deal oh, okay. kind of reveal. So they want to switch it to the exact same thing that Nick has, okay. which is. She's actually part Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. She's part sypho Omega Skywalker. <laughs> Omega Jin. Nick specifically says Omega special skill revealed. So they're, we're going to switch that for them to Omega special skill revealed. And in okay. that case, I feel like. It's enough. You and the patrons get a hit on this. I agree. I, I agree with that. I'm not going to disagree, but we could also wait. Okay. Because if she winds up having a non-force bad batch mutation, that's when I would give it a tick. Okay. Okay. Tick. A tick? Yeah. I'm cool with that. A tick, not a tick. Ah, uh, tick. Not a tick, but a tick. Ding, 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 dick, ding, ding. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we should we do I Love You, I Know on this? We want to do that? We'll keep up that tradition? Yeah, yeah. We just, just want to wrap quick, it up. Yeah. No. Do it quick. I love you. I know. Ryan, go. We're going like one thing from all three episodes. Like not, I mean, not yeah. one from each. Like. Right. The music in episode one. Sick. I, I mean, like Palpatine, duh. But I'm trying to think of something more unique music's so good i want i want the soundtrack on my phone already agreed it's sick nick what's your favorite moment scene quote anything uh mine was just a funny little moment when omega was getting into the lift and the mouse droid was coming in and she just kicked it out kicked it out that was great mike how about you i think an overall uh thought from this is that to the point of what we brought up at the the top of of the discussion was that we have such a wide fan fandom now that has grown up through many many years of animated star wars knowing that animated star wars is just as important as live action star wars 
And as all of these things are getting announced and these new shows are coming out and these movies, all of that is great. And I know that's the general population, but seeing the effort that went into the cinematography, the storytelling, the character design, the depth of the maturity of the 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 truly like dark side of this story makes me super appreciative of all of the team that works on the Bad Batch. And I hope that the reception of how awesome this show is uh, carries on and transfers so that, like you said, if it's an Omega show or whatever the next story of, you know, is it actually an animated Luke Skywalker and Han Solo adventures or whatever that is, I just hope that we get more of this because if this is the future of being able to tell stories outside of actual cast actors uh i'm here for it because this only the show continues to keep looking good uh, better and better and uh i can't wait to see more stories in this universe so i would say that's my overall impression of these first three episodes for sure it would be smart because think about the turnaround time was it a year under a year like bad batch season two was on when mando was on yeah so that was last year so right. they're nowhere near doing Mando season, you know, the next, they're not filming Mando yet. They just turned around a full season. Right. So it's like that they have to lean into this more. So Mike, you do or don't have a favorite part? <laughs> Cause you just told us you like the show a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, fine, 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 fine. Um, no, I, I mean, anytime we see OT references in animation, I, I truly think one of the coolest, like, I feel like even the, uh, Macquarie TKs are starting to look a little more stormtroopery. Um, and I think seeing the Royal guards to me was the reminder that we are headed so fast into the OT. Um, that was probably the moment that I was like, yes, this is great. This is awesome. Yes. I'm on board. Yes. I like star Wars. I do. I do it. My favorite moment, it's a sequence. Say it's like a five-minute sequence. The first Omega sequence, starting in her cell, the dripping of the water, going all the way into the lab where she's working with Emery and Nalase, to the end of that. You know, it's two locations, five minutes probably. That's my favorite. The tone of it, the composition of the shots, all the stuff I talked about at the top, it just it felt like a movie. And it, it set the tone in such, such a profound way. There was no mistaking what this show's going to be after that sequence. And it, it had me like absolutely sitting up edge of my seat. So that's it for me. Patrons, I should have asked you what your favorite was at the top of this segment, but I blew it and I'm sorry. And we have to get this thing done because uh, I got to get it out because it's late. All right, next week, it's going to be Mike and Nick. And whoever you get on to hang out with you, because Ryan and I will be on a giant boat in the middle of the ocean with no internet access. You got this. Right. Right. So stoked. We can do it. Yeah. We've done it before. We've actually done it. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Easy peasy. All right. I love the show. I love Star Wars. I love you guys. Patrons, I love you as well. We know. If you want to be a patron... Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. Also, we have big things coming in just a matter of weeks, it seems like. We'll announce it as soon as we can. But for now, it's all Bad Batch every week. This is the place. I'm going to be doing some fun stuff on social media like I did with Ahsoka and some things, you know, counting trailer footage, stuff like that. So Instagram, 
I was about to say Instagram.com. Don't go to Instagram.com. <laughs> Open your Instagram. Nice. And follow us. Uh, follow us in the sense that you press the follow button and also in the sense that you pay attention. Please and thank you. And until next week, <laughs> may the force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible. <laughs>